Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is July the 10th, and our passage for today is Jonah chapter 3. Jonah has been in the belly of the great fish that God had prepared to deliver him to the shore where he could do what God originally called him to do. You read the book of Jonah and read it over again. It is chapter by chapter, a great story. It's a short story, but it is told in cultures and has been for the last almost 3,000 years. And it will be told until Jesus comes again. As you know, Jonah was running from the presence of the Lord. God sent a storm. The sailors, the mariners who were probably Phoenicians, experienced men, feared God and repented. They threw Jonah overboard as a last resort. They did not want to do it, and they knew it would be certain death. As soon as they did, everything stilled supernaturally. God did what only he can do. He prepared a fish, not a whale, not some fish that is uh, still swimming in the sea. This was a special fish that God prepared. That's exactly what it says. And when the time was finished for Jonah to repent and get right with God, then he was delivered to the seashore and he made his way to Nineveh. Now we're going to pick up the story in verse 10 of chapter 2, which is part of chapter 3 in the original text. So the Lord spoke to the fish. Isn't it amazing? God is sovereign. He is the creator. And it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. And here's what he said, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I will tell you. This wasn't something that Jonah needed to come up with. All he needed to do was to follow God step by step. Now this is instructive for all of us. God didn't even tell him what the message was going to be specifically until he obeyed what God had given him to do to start with. God is not going to give us any more light to do anything until we first obey what he tells us to do. You see, the way we walk with God is step by step. I've said it over and over again. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. The journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step, but there has to be the first step. You see, God has done his part. Now it's up to us to do our part. God had been good to Jonah. He had given him a good city to live in, in a beautiful part of the land of Israel. Obviously, he had the call and favor of God upon his life, and God asked him to do something, and he went in the opposite direction. I'm talking about the opposite direction. He went to the place, the jumping-off place, as my grandmother would say, to the place to where he could go to the end of the earth, the farthest part of the Mediterranean that was known to man at that time, so that he could escape the will of God. 
Friend, you and I cannot escape the will of God. Oh, we can run from God, but God is with us anywhere and everywhere we go. And that is why over and over again, God uh, says, you cannot run from me. All you have to do is go back to Amos, go back to the other prophets, the ones that we're going to see. David said in one of the Psalms, if I make my bed in the uttermost part of the sea, you're already there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. You see, God is omnipresent. There is nowhere where he is not. But God doesn't manifest himself everywhere. God knows what's going on. He's omniscient everywhere. And he is all-powerful everywhere. He is sovereign. There is no part of his creation or anywhere that he is not. He knows it all. And so he told Jonah to follow him. And so Jonah rose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. From all the research I can do, it's over 50 miles from one side when you entered Nineveh before you got to the other side, what we would call city or provincial limits. The town population of Nineveh itself was said to be at this time, and these are fairly conservative figures, 250,000 people. This is by far one of the greatest moves of God, a revival of any city anywhere in the Bible. It is an amazing journey that God had to take Jonah on to get there. Now, Jonah was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. You see, God had revealed to Jonah it was going to be forty days. Now think about it. God had already been merciful over and over again to these people. And now he's going to give them time. He's going to give them a time span to repent. Just like God gave during the days of the antediluvian world of Noah. When the Bible says that he preached and said, my spirit will not always strive with man. Yet man's days will be 120 years. God gave the people of Noah's day 120 years to repent. Now think about it. And how merciful he was while that boat was being built, the the rescue vessel. And so what did the people do when they heard that God was going to judge them? I mean, here was Jonah, and uh, he had a living testimony that the God of heaven is alive. There's no telling what God did in these people's hearts to get them prepared for this. We know there were many earthquakes during that time. We just don't know how God got their attention. But they were sure ready and prepared when Jonah came. Again, this is instructive for all of us. If God gives us an assignment, believe me, God's already working on the other side. People often say to me, well, I know I need to go talk with so-and-so, but I just know that they have always been hard in the past. They've always done this, that, that. Now, how do you know? what God's doing in their heart? How do you know what they have been wrestling with? How do you know that God hadn't prepared them just like he's been preparing you? When God's working on one side, God's already on the other side working, and we can be confident of that. This is why often I will call people up and I will ask them, are you okay? And they'll say, why do you ask? Because I've been praying for you and you've been on my heart. Oh, pastor, if you only knew, I was just... uh, 
wanting someone to come because I didn't know what was what was going to happen. I could tell you story after story in the decades of ministry where I have felt deeply impressed to obey God and visit somebody or call somebody or write somebody. And more than one time they have said I was about to take my own life. Yes, I was about to take my own life. And I just said, God, if you really want me to live, would you let someone contact me? And I either got something through the mail or you called or you came by or God uh, sent you this or that. And it is just amazing to me when we're walking in the fullness of God's spirit, how often that happens. Well, Jonah was going to a prepared people. So the people of Nineveh believed God. That's right. They trusted what God said through his prophet. And they proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth. Now, that's like burlap. This was a sign, a universal sign in the ancient world of repentance, of sorrow uh, for something that's happened, either a death or something, uh, some kind of a sinful act or somehow seeking the face of God. It was always associated with that. And it says from the greatest to the least of them. Now you say, well, do you believe it was from the greatest to the least? That's what the Bible says, and I believe the Bible. Then word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, his royal robe. He covered himself with sackcloth, just like the rest of the people. Why? Because the ground is level when we stand before God. There is no one greater than anyone else. We must all come the same way. And he sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. And here's what the decree said. Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. That is, no eating. Do not let them eat or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mildly to God. That means fervently, earnestly. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. This is classic repentance. It means to turn, turn away from his fierce anger. In other words, he said, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hand. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Here's what the king said in our modern language. Everyone needs to have a change of mind, a change of direction. Stop treating one another in an ungodly manner. Don't be ugly and mean to one another. Don't hold grudges. That is, let go of whatever is in your hands and turn it over to God. And maybe in God's goodness and mercy, he will relent. Now, this is interesting. Some of your versions may even have repent. God does not change his mind as in repentance as a man. But it is an appearance of that because, and let me just give you an example of it. You see, that's the only way that God can let us know that judgment is not coming. Let's just say that I am certain that if I go due south in a direction, 
that I am going to run into trouble. I'm going to run into bandits. I'm going to be running into thieves. I'm going to be running into robbers and certain death if I go this way because everyone that has gone that way and has continued on, no one has ever returned. And I am headed south now. That's the direction of judgment. But if I turned and uh, did a 180 and went due north, then I would escape the judgment. Why? Because God says if you continue in this direction, you're going to be judged. If you continue south, turn and go north and you will escape the judgment. That is where I am. I am in the other direction. And so God says, I'm not changing my mind. You keep going that way and judgment's going to be there. But if you go this way, I'm going to have mercy on you. I'm going to not allow judgment to come upon you if you go in this direction, simply because I am able to see what is in your heart and see how your outward actions have changed. And I am going to spare you. This is exactly what happened. Look at verse 10. Then God saw their works. Wait just a minute. I thought God sees the heart. He does. But if the heart is genuinely repentant and turning and changing direction, there will be a change in attitude, a change in thought pattern, a change in life that will be seen openly. This is why the Lord Jesus himself and John the Baptist is forerunner. You remember what John said? Repent every one of you, and bring forth fruit that is evidence. Now, the King James says meat for repentance. That means that qualifies, that gives evidence that indeed you have repented. You see, if God allows by his grace for us to change our mind and make a decision, and he grants us mercy and grace to do that, and we turn from our sins and head off in 180 degrees the other way, God says there will be a change in your conduct, a change in your direction, a change in your thought pattern, a change in your speech, a change in your behavior, because this is exactly what happened. The king knew that, and he was a heathen. He said, you need to stop what you're doing and start going God's way. And that's exactly what happened. And look what it says. And God relented from the disaster that he had said would come upon them. And he did not do it. Why? Because they changed their mind. They changed their direction. Repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change of direction. That's right, a change of behavior. Your thoughts and your mind, your heart, that's all used interchangeably in the Bible. I'm just trying to help you to understand this. Will ultimately direct your feet. It will direct your conduct. The word in the New Testament in Greek is peripateo, which means to walk about. You see, when you change your direction, your walk has changed, your direction has changed, your behavior has changed because it's a brand new way. And so this is what God says. God saw their works that they turned from their evil way. Now you say, well, God saw the heart. God saw the heart, yes, before he saw the works because the heart and the mind always precedes our actions and our attitudes. I pray that Lessons will forever be learned from this book of Jonah. For on the way, this is Tony Chris. 
Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at tonycrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at tonycrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.